Hello, hello. Welcome to Feels Like Flow. I'm Brianna Cullen, and this show is designed to help you be more creative, productive, and fulfilled in your work life. Let's get into it. Hi, this is our big episode today, and I'm really excited for it. I'm going to talk about this tendency that we have to want our first idea to be the idea, and how sometimes not having things work out the first time around is the best thing possible for us. But first, it makes sense that, of course, we want the first thing to be the thing. We want things to work out smoothly and with minimal upset. And this hope that the first one is the one can apply to so many parts of our life. It's wanting the first guy you date to be your soulmate, wanting the first job you interview for to welcome you in, wanting the first career you choose to be your calling, the first idea that pops up when you're searching for your purpose, even like the first eating or exercise plan that you try, the first coach or therapist or spiritual practice that you try. We want the first thing to work out and it shows up in minor everyday ways and also in big life choices. It's totally normal. Like I said, of course, we don't want to go through the frustration and disappointment and what feels like wasted effort of things not working out right away. But there are a few problems with this tendency. One is that sometimes it can make us feel really uptight and attached to things working out in a certain way. And when that happens, we build it up in our head, we procrastinate, we obsess, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves and the situation. Our expectations can get so high that it seems inevitable that they'll come crashing down and that we'll be disappointed. And another problem is that instead of allowing ourselves to explore a lot of options, we try to force a fit on our first try. And then, of course, that doesn't really work, and it ends up wasting more of our time and our effort and our feelings about things in the end. I actually wrote out all of my notes for this podcast episode before I realized something big, which is that part of what I'm encouraging all of us to do is to embrace a growth mindset. You've probably heard of this concept and the work of Carol Dweck on fixed versus growth mindsets. But just in case, I'll give you a summary. A fixed mindset assumes that things like our character, our intelligence, our creative ability and talents are static givens and that we can't really change them in any meaningful way. And success is the affirmation of our inherent value. It's an assessment on how we measure up. And so striving for success and avoiding failure at all costs becomes a way of maintaining this sense of ourselves as being smart or skillful or having value. And this is in contrast to a growth mindset, which thrives on challenges and sees failure not as evidence of a lack of intelligence, but as a springboard for growth and for stretching ourselves. This is a really fundamental, basic part of our personality, and it's developed at an early age. But we do have the ability to shift from fixed 
mindset to growth mindset. And today I'm really talking about stumbling my way into a growth mindset and how you can too. And I want to do that through a story about dating and my experience of wanting the first one to be the one. I love dating analogies because most of us can relate to them. And because honestly, I've done a lot of dating and I think I learned more about myself, grew more as a person, healed more as a person, and ultimately realized who I am and what I'm capable of and what I want and how to go about getting what I want, how to deal with all the ups and downs of going after something. I learned all of that through dating. I learned how to have a growth mindset. So to start with, when I finally decided to go online, that I was willing to jump into online dating. I talked about this a few episodes ago where I was at this point in my life where I was really tired of being single and I realized that I just wasn't meeting enough people in my day-to-day life. And so I finally decided, fine, I'll go online, but I was not excited about the idea at all. I think a lot of people can relate to that. But I decided that I was going to do it and I got myself to put up a profile on Match.com and I started getting emails and chatting with people. But my energy around it was that I was hoping I would just be able to go on there, meet someone right away and get right back off. And so I was taking that sort of energy into it. It was a quality of attachment because I wanted to be able to just get in and get out. And like I said, that puts a lot of pressure on the first date, the first guy. And so as I started chatting with people, a guy came along who I was interested in and I felt like there could be a connection. We had some things in common. And so we met for dinner at this really cool restaurant on Highland in Hancock Park, if you're in LA. And truth be told, I honestly thought maybe I could just get lucky enough to like the first guy that I went out with and that would be that. Cue hysterical laughter. And so again, when that's what you want, it puts a lot of pressure on the situation and you might sort of try to force a fit because you're more focused on something working out right away with minimal awkwardness. And you'd rather force a fit than try to find the perfect fit. It's kind of like ordering clothing online. It's easy, it shows up, it might fit well enough. Maybe you don't love it, but it's more work to send it back so you just keep it trying to find the right piece of clothing something you love in this post-pandemic world it's overwhelming like the idea of going into a clothing store browsing trying things on until you find just the right thing it feels like a lot of effort it's like our expectations are so different we want the thing to show up we want it available at our fingertips we want the first thing so anyway i went out with this guy we met for dinner we had fun there was a little bit of a spark And with online dating, you might not get a ton of information on the first date, but typically you either find out that you definitely don't ever want to see them again, or you get enough to think, okay, yeah, I'd go out with this person again. So we made plans to go on a second date and I was looking forward to it, but then it was this situation where as soon as we met up on the second date, I had this feeling right away that it wasn't a good fit. We had met at a movie theater in LA that has a bar and we met there first to get a drink before going into the movie. We were chatting and he was kind of psychoanalyzing me and giving me advice about something. And I had my own psychoanalyst at the time and I did not like being mansplained on a second date. And I was kind of irritated. And in the midst of this conversation, I noticed that behind him at the bar was none other than Josh Radner, AKA 
Ted Mosby from How I Met Your Mother chatting with a friend at the bar behind this guy that I'm on a second date with that I'm not that really into. And Ted is so adorable and likable and charming. And in that moment, I knew for sure that this first guy was not the guy. And then a few days later, he texted to try to make plans again. And I told him that it wasn't going to work out. And it was really interesting. His text response was pretty annoyed and essentially said, okay, mind telling me why in like an irritative, passive aggressive way. And there's no good response to that question, but the way he responded actually said a lot about why. Like I had picked up on something and then his response confirmed it. And it was probably the first big lesson I learned during the dating process. Here's the lesson. It applies to so many things. How someone handles rejection says a lot about them. It's true in the dating world, in the networking world, as you're exploring a company that you're considering working for, you might even want to give people a little taste of rejection, by which I mean set a boundary, stand your ground, and see how they respond. Because if they find that threatening and they lash out in some way, it's a really good sign of how the relationship is going to continue. So just from the first guy not being the guy, I picked up this huge nugget of wisdom. But truth be told, I still hope that the next guy, the second guy, was the one so that again, I could get this online dating thing over with and get on with the rest of my life. But the second guy wasn't the one either. And I kept learning about myself and I kept gathering these little pieces of wisdom about life. And this is not a dating podcast, but I learned so much from dating that I always say someday I will write a memoir about those lessons. And this takes us to one of the limitations of going into an experience with a very specific quick win outcome in mind. It's that we're less aware that we could be receiving much more impactful gifts of insight and wisdom from an experience. Me not finding the love of my life on my first or second or fifth online date is probably the best thing that ever, ever could have happened to me because I had to unpack so much of my own baggage along the way. And because of who I became in that process, the ways that my perspective about myself shifted and I get to carry that shift with me in all the areas of my life. And the things that I learned from dating don't just apply to dating. They apply to work and friendship and creativity and purpose and parenting. And so over time, I was able to see dating as more of an experience. I was able to ask a really beautiful question that can help us grow through challenging times. I think I got this question from meditation teacher and author Tara Brock, who I was listening to a lot at the time. The question is some version of this. How can this experience free me to be more myself? How can going through this help me free my heart and my mind? It's really a huge reframe. It's that the solution that we think we want, whether it's to meet our soulmate, to find our perfect job, to do it the first opportunity out of the gate, that solution is really very limited. And the real solution to free ourselves, to become more of who we are is so much better. But I also wanna say again that it makes sense that we want the first one to be the one. And so I also went through this when I was looking for a new career a few years ago. And I mentioned this on the first podcast episode where I talked about having to go through multiple rounds of interviews and several roles to try to get a job and you know accept an offer and then back out and then have to go back to the table and look for the next thing. 
And when we are in a situation where we're not happy in our present circumstances, for me in my old job or when I was single and I wanted to be in a relationship, there can be a real sense of urgency. Like I didn't want to be single anymore. I was really ready to meet the right person. Or when you're in a job that you really don't like, you know, maybe there are much stronger words to it than that. Like you have the Sunday night blues all weekend. You dread checking your email and there's meetings that give you so much anxiety, you feel so frustrated. It's totally normal that you would want to grab on to the first idea that might be the thing that gets you out. And it's really, really hard to be patient. But it's like there are two sides to it. You feel really impatient about getting out of your current situation. And so you want the first way out to be the solution. And then you don't really want to deal with the disappointment of the possibility that it's not the solution. I remember early on in my online dating days, I had lunch with a happily married friend and she was very entertained by my stories. And she said like deadpan, totally serious. You know, you might have to go out with a hundred guys. I can feel my face arranging itself into the same expression right now that I gave her, which was like, are you effing kidding me? But in all honesty, I think going through those experiences of getting excited, hoping something's going to work out and then having it not work out and having to pick myself back up and go through the next experience and conjure up the hope again and again. It's a big part of building resiliency and the feeling of being an adult in my own life. Even when things aren't working out, the ability to bring the optimism and to take action from an optimistic place. And when you have that experience in one area of your life, you can take it with you. You know that being disappointed is just a temporary setback and you learn how to be committed to the process. And that's what happened to me with dating. I knew what I wanted. I knew what the end goal was. I knew what I was looking for in a partnership. And I I was looking for something life-changing, someone that I could make a life with and have a family with. And so I couldn't give up. And so because I could give up, I got to experience what happens when you stay in the process, which is that you do experience disappointment and then another opportunity comes and you throw yourself into it. You see where it goes. You deal with the uncertainty of not knowing whether it will work out. And when that happens over and over, you learn to trust that if you stay committed, the opportunities will keep showing up. You can deal with the disappointment or embarrassment or impatience. You'll get where you want to go. It's inevitable. Another little piece of this is that sometimes when we want the first one to be the one, we build it up so much in our minds. We think that this certain outcome or solution is the answer to our life. And we build it up so much in our mind that it becomes hard to even approach it because it's really loaded carries a lot of responsibility. What if we get the thing that we wanted and it doesn't solve all of our problems? I think about this a lot in relationship with our weight and food and body image. And this was a really big area of growth for me in my late 20s, early 30s, and really starting much younger than that. But for a long time, I had this sense that when I'm thin enough and fit enough and also have a really easy carefree relationship with food, then I'll be happy. And then everything else in my life will fall into place. And even then I'll meet the right guy and I'll also be creatively fulfilled. I put all of this on that one outcome. 
And then it becomes really hard to test that fantasy because it's so loaded. And I learned about this concept of a difficulty with testing a fantasy from a psychoanalyst named Marion Woodman, who wrote a lot about eating disorders and our relationship with food and our bodies and how deep that relationship can go, how symbolic it can be. And she talked about not wanting to test the fantasy around finally getting what you want and seeing that it may not actually solve all the problems that you put on it. I think most of us have heard of this concept of not waiting for a certain circumstance to be happy or being careful with the expectation that I can't be happy until I have X or once I have X, I'll be happy. There's so much evidence that it doesn't work that way. Often it's the other way around. We create the feelings first and then we get the thing we want. I'm sure you've had that experience in your own life of thinking that a certain goal is going to live up to these big expectations and then it doesn't change everything. And a big part of going after what we want is holding the awareness that no one thing is going to solve all of our problems. And then we're going to end up in a new growth curve. The truth is as hard as it was to go through all of that dating for me, The real growth curve was when I actually did meet my future husband. Then I had to go through even more emotional ups and downs and growing and learning so much about myself and how to relate and how to resolve conflict on a much more intense level than I did when I was dating. And the dating probably got me ready so that I could deal with it in the relationship in order to make the relationship work. Which brings us full circle because Even if the first one, the first guy, the first career, the first city we moved to, and even if it's not the first one, but the next one on your list to try, even if it is the one, we're still not done growing. We're not done having other experiences that take us through ups and downs. You'll get another chance for better or worse. There's a poem that I love by Hafez, and it's similar to the question that I asked above from Tara Brock. Don't surrender your loneliness so quickly. Let it cut you more deep. Let it ferment and season you as few humans and even divine ingredients can. Something missing in my heart tonight has made my eyes so soft, my voice so tender, my need for God absolutely clear. So here's the thing, with a growth mindset, we embrace challenges. We persist even when we face obstacles and setbacks. We believe that effort is the path to mastery. We learn from feedback. We find lessons in our experience and we find inspiration in the success of other people. And all of this gives us more agency and a greater sense of free will in our lives. And it leads to higher achievement, which you know, in effect is getting what we want. So here's to you and growth and getting what you want and what you need. That's it for this week's show. Thanks so much for listening. If you know anyone who would feel uplifted by this podcast, would you please share it with them? I'm so glad you're here. Have a great week.